get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in, gentlemen. How we doing on this draft week here? Purple Daily with Mackie, Judd, and executive producer Declan Goff. Are we feeling two days away? Two days away. Deep breaths. Just holding my footballs at night. Got my two. Got my got my seltzers ready for be cheersing when we take a quarterback at fourteen and going stone cold Steve Austin. You know I'm ready to go. Uh, ready to roll. So what would you do, Declan Goff? If they were to trade up, let's say to eight with Carolina and take a quarterback there, I I will. I know we're going to do like a live mock draft. I will go outside because I I can't do it in my apartment. I don't want to cause a mess on the living room floor. That that's just a conversation for a different day. <laughs> and I would go outside and I would do a Stone Cold Steve Austin like two seltzers all over. Bring it on. If they traded up for okay, for let, let's let's set the scene here. Okay, first of all. Uh, Purple Daily is presented by TCL. Enjoy more of what you love with TCL. And we may even be joined on this episode by our friend Thor Nystrom, who is the lead college football and draft analyst for NBC Sports Edge. He just released his seven-round mock draft. He's got kind of a tight schedule today with uh, with various things. and So he may pop into this episode. If not, we can go over his mock at some point, too. But um, before we get to a couple of Vikings-related mock draft items, which quarterback do you guys think is truly the most likely to fall out of the top ten? Right With now, all the smoke screens. Yeah, in right now, I think, I think it might be Trey Lance. Really? Now that makes the least sense, and I, I'm, but I'm just saying, the Justin Fields thing feels hanky. There's a ton of film on him. There's a ton of, I mean, I, I feel like teams are, I feel like the subterfuge on fields is high because he's going to go high and because teams are like, oh, but have you seen this or have you seen that? Look how lazy he is. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't want to take a guy that lazy. Trey, yeah, Lance's, Trey Lance's previous film is impressive, but he had one showcase game and he played in North Dakota State. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of unanswerables there that you're not going to know. So you would have to be really cocky and confident to be like, yeah. oh, he's going to be great. So I'm just – my logic of trying to put the, together, Phil, the pieces of the puzzle are that's why I think it would be Lance. I don't think he will fall out of the top ten. But I just – the Fields thing to me, I, I don't buy that teams are really as down on him as we're being told. So I think I think the 49ers, I, I do buy the reports that they are just inexplicably in on Mac Jones on the same level as all the other quarterbacks. And, you know, maybe I'll wind up being wrong about Mac Jones. But anytime a guy thrives behind and around that many NFL players and look at his numbers and look at like look at the ridiculous season he had. And, yeah, there's some he's a winner. It's like, of course, he's a winner. He played at Alabama, for God's sakes. Yeah. Like just being in that car makes you a winning driver. Right. And again, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a bust, but it kind of feels to me like if San Francisco doesn't take Mac Jones at three, that he's going to be the one that tumbles into the teens somewhere, and then maybe maybe the Patriots swoop him up or something. But it seems like like Peter Schrager was doing the rounds yesterday, and uh, he did a he did something on Fox Sports One yesterday, and he said he's hearing that Trey Lance impressed the 49ers in that second pro day to no end, but they're still locked in on Mac Jones as the pick at three. So they've got something for Mac Jones. Um, so if he gets past the Niners, I think he falls all the way out of the, 
top 10. But I think just, I actually think Justin Fields is the most likely to fall out of the top 10 because some of the subterfuge stuff works. Like, you see guys' stock fall. Well, you know, Pat Mahomes is raw. Oh, you're going to have to work with him for five years before you can figure it out. And it's like he drops toward the bottom of the top 10 because of it. We've seen it with Aaron Rodgers 15 years ago, right? Some guys just inexplicably drop for no reason other than just subterfuge. What about you, Dex? Who's most likely to fall? Yeah, I would think it's Mac Jones as well. But first off, I just don't get the Mac Jones hype at all. I think Trey, I think it's a lock that Trey Lance goes to San Francisco. I think it's an absolute lock. I think it's all smoke, screen, and mirrors. I don't believe it one second that Kyle Shanahan has five guys in mind. No, dude, you got Trey Lance in mind. It's all good. I understand your little games you're playing around the league, but I think Mac Jones falls. I, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Washington or New England maybe moves up to try to snag him if he's outside that top 10. But I personally think I'm still holding true to my write that down. I don't think he goes in the first 15. I don't think he does. Mm-hmm. You know what the Mac Jones thing is, boys? And, and Dex, I echo and believe what you said is absolutely correct. The Mac Jones thing is Kyle Shanahan's desire to find Kirk. Like, this could be a film called Finding Kirk. Like, you could do a movie called Finding Kirk about Kyle Shanahan. Think about this, you guys. Like, this is cl- quite clear. Like, he is still trying to find his Kirk. And, and that's why, look, Trey Lance, I would take above Mac Jones for sure personally. But doesn't this all come back to, to the fact that I'm sure I'm sure San Fran did call the Vikings months ago now and ask about Kirk and all he wants to do is find his Kirk. I mean I don't know how else to describe it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He but does. it's pretty crystal clear. Yeah. Who do you guys think so I mean, there's a small handful of players that just flat out won't fall, like Trevor Lawrence. Someone, someone DM me this question on Twitter, at Phil Mackey on Twitter, and wanted us to, to address a similar version of this question. So, like, Lawrence isn't going to fall. Wilson's not going to fall. I don't think Panay Sewell is going to fall, and I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to fall. But if pretty much all the other players besides, like, those four, the other three quarterbacks could fall, of, of anyone who could fall within a couple picks of the Vikings. Who would be the perfect option? So forget about like who would be available in the average mock draft that we've been doing at pick 14. Okay. Of, of all the players that are outside of like the four guys who absolutely aren't going to fall, who would be the perfect player for the Vikings to draft in the first round? That's a loaded question because there's what I think and there's what I think they would do. Um, well, give, give, give both, just for fun. Give both. Okay, I think in their perfect world... Um, and this probably is more like Spielman and above him, not Zimmer. Uh, I think it would be Rashawn Slater. If Sewell's not going to drop, which he probably won't, uh, I think they love him, and I think that he could step in and be good. Uh, he could probably step in for sure from day one. So I think that's what the Vikings' ideal guy to fall, and he's probably going to be taken. What's going to hurt is he's probably going to go, like let's say, Phil, two or three picks before them, so it's going to be close. Uh, but I think that they would scoop him up in a heartbeat if they could. Personally, if one of those if one of those QBs falls, not named Mac Jones, because I'm not taking Mac Jones. But you know, if Trey Lance fell to 14, I'm I'm taking them. Yes, for sure. Like this is, I think your window of real opportunity to win a championship is closed. Like, you can make the playoffs. That's fine. Damn, you almost made the playoffs last year if you'd beat the Bears here. But, I mean, the playoffs now have become more like hockey and basketball, right? A ton of teams. There, there's a there's a large difference between we made the playoffs and we contended for a Super Bowl. 
Um, if you could get your quarterback position filled for the next X amount of years, let's say 10 to 12 years, if you hit on the guy and you got a year left of Kirk, let's say, and then you find a way to get rid of Kirk before 2022. So now I've got you on your rookie contract for a four for four more years starting in 2022 with the way this league operates now. I'm doing that. Like, like it's worth at 14. It's worth that gamble. And keep in mind too, you know, Christian Ponder was a complete reach. Like there were a lot of people that had him in a, in the second round. Uh, so that was a complete reach. I don't think that unless there's something about Trey Lance, that's awful or a guy like that, Phil, I don't think it would be considered to be just this terrible reach. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in lockstep with you in the, in the Vikings perfect scenario in terms of what do they need right now in this Super Bowl window, a guy that can be a franchise player for eight years and that can help you immensely in 2021, right? That's the intersection I think they would love to be at. A guy that can help you this year and a guy that's going to be among the best players out of this draft for the next eight years. Rashawn Slater seems like the most realistic one that could fall. I don't think he falls to 14, but could he fall outside the top 10 and then you trade up to get him or something? Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that. But I would say if any of those three other quarterbacks, not named Lawrence or Wilson, who are almost certainly going to go one and two, if any of those three other quarterbacks falls to you at 14, that would be a dream scenario. And I'm including Mac Jones in there. I'm kind of with Declan, a little skeptical, but like if you can get a guy on a five-year rookie contract and, and, and he can be just not a bust even think about the roster you can build around that guy. Once you're done with Kirk's contract, he can sit for a year in 2021. That would be an amazing scenario. I don't trust Mac Jones. I don't trust it. Period. Like you think he's a bust. I think that he is a reach. Yes. Yes. I think he's the one guy who is a definite reach like Trey Lance. I don't know. And perhaps he will be a a reach. I, I have no clue, but that's one I'd be willing to chance. Like, if I liked him and I, I was an executive, Mac Jones, I'm with you, Phil. The Bama thing, I mean, he's he's okay, but I don't know. He He's great. I, I, saw some, I saw some film on Twitter a couple of days ago breaking down the fact that his deep throws are often underthrown. And so, like, he doesn't really lead guys well. There's just a lot of things there that I, I look at him and I say, that's a first-round pick for sure in 1995. <laughs> I don't know that I look at him as a first round quarterback in 2021. Yeah. I love the scouting report there Football. from Judd there. Yeah, no, it was yeah. I saw like three throws and they were all like you you gotta lead your guy. And I mean it's Bama. So these guys are gonna catch the ball. And they were all just slightly subtly underthrown. Dex, what about you? Perfect, perfect scenario. Who who falls? And who do the Vikings capitalize? Obviously not Kyle Pitts. I know he's uh, he's gone in top four, but uh, no. Yeah, I, I just I don't I think he's off the list. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I no mean, way. even uh, Greeny was saying today this morning on on ESPN's Get Up. Which, by the way, another thing that Green uh, Mike Greenberg has possibly stolen from the Mackie and Judd production. He had a segment on the radio called the Scoop, called the Scoop, <laughs> and it's on, another Greeny. thing that Greeny maybe possibly stole from us. So he's stolen reckless speculation. Yep. He has stolen he the Scoop. He's also just taken ideas that we've given. Just him find out. He'll tell you. Too. 
If we want to be associate producers and add us to the pace, I mean, by all means, I like that. You know, Dex Dex is on executive producers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, no, associate producers. Associate producers. Yeah, Yeah, I can't be executive yet. I'll climb my way up there. So don't, don't, don't. Oh, just give us titles. Yeah, don't knock me down. I'll I'll be Kirk Cousins. I'll cash in on that paycheck eventually. Um, (laughs) I like it. But uh, in a perfect world, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with the Trey Lance team. I think if Trey Lance falls, I think that's so ideal because he, number one, even though there's going to be pressure on Kirk, which is by the way, I want, I want that pressure on him. He's not going to start from week one. He's not even like even if the Vikings, I think, get off to a disastrous start. I know that that conversation's accelerated. But in a perfect world, he doesn't play a snap in twenty in twenty twenty one. So I, I think if if anything, in a perfect world, my perfect world, Trey Lance falls there. I think in their perfect world, it's yeah, it's probably Slater that falls outside the top ten, and maybe they have to trade up, or he falls in their lap at fourteen. I I just don't see a situation where he falls to fourteen. But if he's outside that top nine, and if he's there at ten, I can see the Vikings moving up to go grab him. Okay, what about a scenario in terms of guys falling? Since we're on the subject, what about a scenario where it's offense, 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 offense? All five quarterbacks come off the board in like the first ten picks or something. And the three receivers come off the board, and then the th- and then offensive tackles come off the board, or at least the majority of all these start coming off the board. And Kyle Pitts, and and defense has barely been touched as we get into like eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and <laughs> sorry, three players all at positions where the Vikings currently have incumbent starters start to fall into the fourteen range. I'm talking about Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, two cornerbacks. And Micah Parsons, I don't. I, I I think those guys. I think at least two of those guys are going to go before fourteen. But like, if all five quarterbacks go, and the three top tackles go, yep. So that gets you to eight, and then the three receivers go. That gets you to eleven. Yep. And then uh, Kyle Pitts gets you to twelve. So that would be thirteen, fourteen. So then the, one of those three guys, at a position that the Vikings already have incumbent starters at, right? Cornerback, they're set with starters this year. And uh, linebacker, they're set with starters, at least in the nickel, for sure. Micah Parsons, I think, I think there'd be a big push from I the agree. head coach. I, I mean, I, I agree. I think he is the best, the best player on the board defensively. Like I think he's it. So if and, he and he's was, an obvious like when Barr's done after this year with the Vikings, he's an obvious guy that can just step right. I mean, in. I, I'm not look. It doesn't help you right now, but Zim would say, "Oh my God, Micah Parsons, think of all the things I can do." With with him, and I'll always come back to the fact that Zimmer's first pick as the Vikings coach was who? Anthony Barr, a linebacker. So, yeah, I think he would, I, it would be, if that were the case, it would be interesting. And you know what? So if if Dallas, the one thing with Dallas is, Sertan's been mocked to them so consistently that I'm almost beginning to think they won't take him. Like, it's almost too consistent. Like, oh, Dallas, pencil them in for Patrick Sertan the second. They'll take him for sure. Okay, when we think that, it's often wrong. 100%. I think Philadelphia would take a corner for sure. I think they have to take one. But let's say they took Sertan. So now you're to J.C. Horn, and let's say Parsons did fall. Dex, I, I know you moaned and groaned, and you're not wrong to, but I really think that the head coach would put severe pressure on the GM to take Parsons. The the linebacker one's the one that absolutely just I I will be drinking not not doing the stone cold I will be drinking to just be so bland boring pick linebacker like don't don't I I know best player available but linebacker what the hell is that gonna do it only serves the Mike Zimmer head coach it's the only thing it does it just serves him that's all it is I don't think he makes a difference in the twenty twenty one Vikings it doesn't do anything for me 
Doesn't do a damn thing. I, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, sometimes the most boring positions on draft day can also be the most impactful things that help you. Like, yeah. a guard is boring, but a guard would really help the Vikings, even though I'm, I'm not a huge advocate for uh, using your 14th overall pick at guard. I think I think you can probably find one if you develop the right way, like they haven't in years past. In the third, do you guys want Micah Parsons' scouting report from NFL.com here? Just yes. for fun? Yeah. Come on! Let's hear it. Football! Football! I'm just going to read you the strengths of Micah Parsons, according to NFL.com. Sleek, well-defined frame with powerful lower half. Football. (laughs) Elite range with burst and speed rarely seen at linebacker. um, Plus a wrap-up tackler with limited broken tackles on his build. This is the best one. Twitch for lateral gap to gap peekaboo looking for peek-a-boo? ball carrier. Peekaboo! Peekaboo! Kids love peekaboo! <laughs> wiggle for efficient pathways past a gap protection. Football. Oh, wiggle. A little wiggle? A little wiggle? That's my sideband name. <laughs> oh, the wiggle? I think that's taken. Gap, gap to gap Gap wiggle? to gap, yes. Gap to gap. That's my that's my weekend band sometimes, not the main band. Oh, still on the uh, Rash- Rashawn Slater strengths, according to NFL.com. Frame is compact and muscular mm. with good lean mass, confident in claiming his turf in heads up battles. Oh. Sounds like my dating profile. <laughs> Big paws can <laughs> snatch into opponents. Frame runs with choppy feet through his run blocks. Football. That sounds more accurate, actually. You know what we should do? Start, start a game. Are you describing football prospects or porn? <laughs> <laughs> uh, natural bender who's yep. able to keep his pad level right. Yep, you football. see? That's definitely porn. Oh, that was Christian Derrissaw, actually. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right, am I describing Christian Derrissaw or porn? Split low with optimal center of gravity. <laughs> Silky smooth feet and strong hands oh, lock him in after the punch. Oh no, landed. no feet! No, yeah, no feet, Rex Ryan. No, stop! Feet. Please don't. Please don't. Ability to quick set wide rushers and short circuit their angles. Football. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, all right, let's do the real thing here. I want to mock. Mock. Boys, this midweek mock, and we've been mocking pretty much every day leading up to the draft on Thursday. Don't forget a live Purple Daily stream on our YouTube channel. You'll be able to find all of our reactions also after the fact on scorenorth.com, Purple Daily podcast feed, and YouTube. Uh, But this midweek mock is presented by our friends over at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, where they've been helping business owners for over 100 years. I don't know if they can help the Vikings protect Kirk Cousins, but they can help protect your business with trusted resources and risk management tools like MyShield, which you can find more information at federatedinsurance.com. Over 100 years of experience, expertise, and just a lot of good, smart, kind people at Federated, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, let's do this. Let's mock. I'm going to pop this on the screen. This is Thor Nystrom. Actually, you know what? I pulled up Bucky Brooks. We're going to pull up Thor here. Yeah, don't. Who's also joining us live. On the show right now, all due respect to Bucky Brooks, we've got Thor Nystrom uh, live on Purple Daily with us. What's up, Thor? How's it going? You're setting me up for failure now. The listeners are like, where's Bucky Brooks? <laughs> uh, Bucky Brooks, spoiler alert. I think it was 
Uh, we'll get to Bucky Brooks later. Uh, Bucky Brooks, not nearly as exciting as Thor Nystrom, the lead college football and draft analyst for NBC Sports Edge and fellow Minnesota uh, sports masochist. Uh, yeah, I'm pumped to talk to you guys. Like all, all these different spots I do in, in the sort of car wash that I'm in, in <laughs> you know, like in my place, in, like in, in the downstairs of my house. It's like, you know, it's like Miami, D.C., uh, Wichita, you know, it's like you know, Green Bay, you know, and it's like you, you have to talk about all these other different teams. And I'm like, I want to talk about the Vikings. So I finally get to talk about the Vikings. <laughs> in the right place, my man. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah, skull, baby. So Thor just posted a couple of things. He's got his 500-player big board, which you can find also, and, uh, and the seven-round mock draft, which we pop up on the screen here. For the audio audience, Dex, let's fire up the music, and let's just go through quickly the first round, and then we'll get all of Thor's thoughts on what the Vikings can and should do. So you got Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then Trey Lance going to the Niners at three, Kyle Pitts to the Falcons, Panay Sewell to the Bengals, and then we have uh, Jamar Chase, Dolphins, Justin Fields to the Broncos. You've got the Broncos trading up with the Lions to get Justin Fields. Rashawn Slater to the Panthers, Devontae Smith to the Lions, Patrick Sertan to the Cowboys, J.C. Horn to the Giants, Jalen Waddle to the Eagles, Mac Jones to the Bears, which is interesting, them trading up with the Chargers, and Christian Derrissaw to the Minnesota Vikings. So, Thor, give us, uh, from from a Vikings perspective, as they watch this scenario play out and the Bears hop up for Mac Jones, um, what led you to the Christian Derrissaw pairing here? So, for me, you know, it, it's a three-man tackle class, right? And, and you know, the, the only concern that I had there in, in making that sort of selection with Derrissaw on the board usually be a, a slam dunk with a team that needs, to, you know, two offensive line Min starters coming out of this draft and doesn't have a day two pick or a round two pick. I'm sorry. Um, like you, you would think that would just be a done deal. The, the Vikings fetish, as you guys know, they fetishize a very specific kind of offensive lineman. And sometimes they disqualify guys that don't fit that, you know, zony projectable, you know, nine plus RAS score sort of a thing. And so, you know, th- that's the only thing with, you know, as far as the fit that, you know, I- I'm just not sure, you know, Derrissaw is not a plotter at all. Um, you know, and he's getting pass protection as well, but the, the Vikings see offensive line play a little bit different because the the scheme that they play but you know just as far as you know uh, need meeting the player on the board you know, where it's an awesome value for him that would be perfect uh, again it's a, it's a three-man tackle class you typically hear about the top two Sewell and Slater uh, uh, Derrissaw is right behind him Derrissaw for three years you know went to Virginia Tech who's an overlooked recruit locked down the left tackle job for three years and just erased the the, the best the ACC had to offer you know in, in in terms of pass rush and then as a run blocker just ridiculous he made clear Herbert, Khalil Herbert's going to get drafted on uh, on on Saturday afternoon, maybe as early as the as, as the fourth round. He was a transfer from Kansas, backup running back at Kansas his entire career. Goes to Virginia Tech for one year and becomes the first thousand yard rusher in Justin Fuente's decade there. Basically, just running behind Christian Derrissaw's backside. You, you watch Virginia Tech last year; the left side was consistent. Go back a couple of years, but the the you know every time they ran, the left side of the line was reset backwards. He, he's just an absolute mauler in, in the run game. And I, by the way. A, a guy that the Vikings could badly use, and not just in terms of locking down the starting job, uh, but in terms of elevating, you know, the, the running game, you know, as, as far as that goes, and then also, you know, the, the thing of you know, the reliability in the pass game. You you don't see him get beat badly. It, it, it hasn't happened. So, Thor, question off your point there too, because it does seem like the in recent years the Vikings have been taking shots, uh, you, you know, Bradbury, um, and offensive. Lineman, my question for you is this: 
Do the Vikings do a good job of of not just identifying guys that they fit think will fit their scheme as far as the line goes, but more importantly, of making sure that across the board they can pass protect? Because it feels like the scheme is we want athletic guys that can kick out, that can block for Dalvin, which is great. That's fine. But there have been many times that that leaves us wanting for, okay, but could you protect your QB who, by the way, in this case is Kirk Cousins who makes a ton do they do a good job of scouting and making sure that the guys that fit that scheme can also do the incredibly important thing of pass protection, do you think? One word answer, no. <laughs> the, the, the reason that every single year when I go out these shows, it's the Vikings the offensive line, but not just what they need multiple ones. It's because they're arguably as bad at that position as, as any position. It's been the one consistent bugaboo. Um, you know, and a part of it is, you know, when they're looking for those zone guys, it, they, they almost disqualify like 80% of the class that just falls beneath the athleticism threshold. So that's number one. It does help you in specific scenarios because there's not as many teams looking for, you know, so sometimes you can find, you know, the thing of falling through the cracks like you said with when Belichick started running the three, four, and there was those like tweener uh, defensive end. Uh, outside linebacker guys, you know, they're sort of stuck between the two. And he was able to essentially get, a, you know, a bunch of steals at, at that position early on because he was one of the, the few guys running that, that scheme until it became uh, more ubiquitous because everyone was like, we're going to stop letting Bill, you know, pluck these guys up in the draft or whatever. Uh, so, so, like, the Vikings, you know, again, they sort of disqualify like 80%. And then by definition, the 20% they're looking at invariably are there's some, there's, a, there's a, a level of risk that's higher because, um, you know, usually with the, the stud athletes, if they're also, you know, studs on the field where they, you know, they win every single rep, they're going to be a, a top five, uh, you know, overall guy. And the Vikings don't pick there. And so a lot of, you know, and then further down, you know, when, when they're taking these offensive linemen later on, you know, again, it, it's the guy that's like, you know, 85th percentile or above in, in athleticism. And it's always the flyer. Uh, you know, you mentioned a couple names, uh, you know, Ezra Cleveland in, in the last class was a guy I actually thought they got decent value on that, that slipped through the cracks because the thing I'm talking about, but, but in some of the past classes like you know if we went through all the names that the listeners will start to break out in hives but you know like the willie beavers is the tj clevins is of the world god you know we could go back you know like but it was like you know when pat elfline failed it was like they were like that's the last time we're taking a you know a non-athletic offensive lineman and it again it's sort of shooting the moon on this thing with, with with these riskier players and not only have they not shown that they can consistently identify the right kid they have also failed to develop the kids they they do uh you know isolate in on yeah that i think that second part too it's so hard to quantify because it, it just comes down to what are they doing and not doing behind the scenes and at practice to coach guys up and to get the most out of them and that's just going to be something behind the curtain that uh, that we're not going to have full uh knowledge of but as we get into the third round here so you in your seven round mock you've got them drafting uh, interior offensive lineman trey smith at 78 and then with the 90th pick, you've got them taking the fourth tight end uh, in your rankings, Hunter Long. And so give us some insight on those two guys and maybe some other guys that you had uh, sort of back and forth in the mix for the Vikings in the third round. Yeah, uh, the the Hunter. I'll be curious to get your guys' take on uh, the Hunter Long thing and taking a, a you know an inline guy on day two. But that was the one thing I was getting crap about for Vikings fans on Twitter this morning. Of like, it was good, but why did you give us a you know a tight end? Uh, we can we, we can talk about that in a second. But Trey Smith is is basically what they should be a player like. That is who they should be looking for. Uh, you know, with their third round pick, the Vikings are sort of in this double unfortunate scenario where they have guns pointed at them from from both angles. Where it's like they they first firstly have the gun pointed at 
at them from what we just talked about, a, a lack of, you know, finding the right offensive line guys and then developing those guys. And because of that, again, it's this scenario every single April. It's like the Vikings need multiple offensive line starters in, in the draft. And then the other thing is you put yourself in a very bad situation this weekend when you did that Yannick Ngakwe, the, the ridiculous two-step with that, you know, where you, you basically, you know, drop back, you know, 40 picks to, to have this guy on a non-contending team for six weeks. I mean, the trade didn't make sense in the first place. And then, of course, they had to, to sell low on him. Because of that, you don't have a second-round pick. So they do have, you know, the two-thirds, you know, because that's, you know, that, that's what that – our second-round – the Vikings' second-round pick ends up getting converted in, into that third-round pick that's coming from Baltimore. Because of that, there's a ton of uh, guys in that second-round area that would be analogous to uh, Ezra Cleveland or a little bit better. In fact, you know, Dylan Radins, you know, the, the local, another local prospect in, in this class. Um, I, I actually comp him to Brian O'Neill, but people that don't comp him to Brian O'Neill comp him to Ezra Cleveland. You know, again, same line of continuum. He is such their type. Um, and, and in the second round, it would have been perfect because that, that's right around the area that he's expected to go. Uh, but they're not going to be picking there. And by the time they do come up in, in, in day two, that offensive line, that offensive tackle class is really good. It's going to be picked apart by that point. So, you know, I, w- I want that tackle with the first pick because with the, this, you know, the, one of those two day three picks, you can double up on the offensive line and you're at that spot. You can get an immediate starter at, you know, on the interior. A couple of those kids are only going to be available there because of some of these ancillary outside questions. Uh, Tr- in Trey Smith's case, um, he was a top 10 overall recruit coming out um, and his sophomore season, um, they tried him at left tackle number one. And then it was also discovered that he had, a, you know, this issue with his lungs at the same time. That was really the only season we saw him struggle in college he came back he has not had a recurrence of this lung issue and to his credit um talk about a kid that wants to compete um he you, you know pre-existing conditions for COVID. right we we had a, you know all these a procession of players opting out you know that didn't have those right uh, trey smith had in you know not you know an underlying condition that you know in you know whatever he decided to play in in 2020 he he did not want to opt out even with that you know he talked about this with the media like no no i no i want to go out there and prove something and and he did he you know he he got to that elite level for for an inside interior player assuming his the, the lung issue does not crop back up um <clears throat> not only is he going to be a really good nfl player i also think he he's he's scheme versatile you know he, he's a guy that not only fits the you know what the vikings want as far as movement he tested 90th percentile plus size adjusted athletic score um but, but he's also you know a huge dude like he's he's the size of a, a big right tackle you know it's like six five three thirty kind of a thing ludicrous athleticism he, he's one of those guys that can sit back at his hips you know off the snap and then just fire forward like a big spring um he moves people um in pass protection for a guard just fabulous his his footwork doesn't work on the perimeter for that which is why you know that one season at tennessee he, he struggled a little bit but inside he shuts guys down and you're you're not getting to the quarterback uh you know with, with trey smith in front of you so he, he's a guy that absolutely you know i i think would be in play there and then so, some other guys are getting nitpicked for other reasons um but you know are, are going to be guys that can step into the lineup immediately Wyatt Davis uh, from Ohio State, he also fits, um, you know, the, the the Vikings want for the the, the athleticism, um, and he's also got awesome bloodlines, which I know the Vikings like as well. Willie Davis, his grandfather's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and his, his his dad starred in the program. He was yes. Elvin Mack. We love we love bloodlines on this show. Oh, Willie baby. Davis, Football. man, great name, great blast from <laughs> yeah. the past. 
So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, so I was more impressed that his dad was was Elvin back in the program. You know, it's like the I, I, I love that movie, but I mean, it's like you know, either way, his brother played uh, FBS football as well. You know, just you know, a family of, of of super athletes. So, so that's another guy that you could you could look at there. Garrett Bradbury, unfortunately, does not have position versatility. So I, I think they are. <laughs> you you can go on athletes. from there if you want. Yeah, well, I'm going to stop. Um, but the, because of that, uh, you know, it's it's. It, but, you know, Cleveland could move. You know, it's, it, he's not locked into right guard. So, you know, I, you know, for me, I want to – if I'm the Vikings, out of those first three picks, I want to come out with one guy that I know can play tackle right away and, and one guy that can start on the interior right away. That, that has, Both the guys have got high ceilings. Tight end with that third pick, why? That, that, seems, that seems like not a need right now. And I also think unless you're going to start the draft by telling Zim to go home, that he might completely <laughs> freak out if you say, Mike, we're about to take a third offensive player. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, especially because, uh, you know, Mike himself uh, fetishizes secondary play. And uh, they got they got question marks. I love out that there term, well. fetishizes. is perfect. <laughs> yeah, they got, yeah. They, they got different things, you know, like, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, I do agree with that. Um, I, I think we're, you know, me and the rest of the Viking fans disagree about this tight end need. I, I, I put that, I put inline tight end on a, on a bucket, you know, a list of like four or five positions where it's like, it, it would be really nice to get an immediate starter at, uh, this position, and I, th- I think the difference between me and some of the other people looking at that is, I don't think that Irv Smith is an inline tight end. I, I think he's going to be exposed there o- over an entire season. He's an H back, um, and and he's a better H back than his backup uh, Tyler Gronklin. Uh, Tyler Gronklin, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I was about to call him that. <laughs> Yeah, his, 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 his yeah. Anyway, uh, both those guys are H backs. You know, I mean, that, like that's you know, it, it's it's the motion type stuff. It's you know, Irv is really good as a lead blocker. You know, kind of a thing. Uh, when you got him in the slot, you know, blocking guys in space, very very good. My concern with him, and it was the same thing coming out. It was like, uh, you know, when he's in line against these freaks, you know, when he has to make a blocking assignment, I'm really concerned for him against the freaks in in those kind of scenarios, especially when you're a team like the Vikings that where your offensive philosophy. Philosophy is is so the, the running game is so integral to it. I don't know why you would put a guy that could potentially just just by you know physical mismatches could get you know dominated on a rep where there's nothing he can do. Um, I I, the, I don't think the Vikings. We'll see. I don't think that they view him like that. I think they view him as an H back. Um, but we're going to find out um, because if, if if I'm right, uh, they're going to take a, a tight end in the third round or at latest fourth, oh. and specifically an inline guy, not not a Brevin Jordan who is basically just he's like the dueling Spider-Man gif with Irv. You know, they're like quite, quite <laughs> at each other. Not a guy like that. Not not a guy like Matt Bushman. You know, who's a big slot like in the Mark Andrews uh, mold. It, it would be a, you know, a, a, a guy sitting dead red on, on the inline, right? Where, you know, a, and he doesn't need to be a Rudolph type of inline guy either. He could be more of a niche guy. You know, I mean, like, for instance, Dylan Saner com- coming out of Iowa State. He's going to be available probably in the fifth round. Um, he's the best blocking tight end in the class outside of uh, Tommy Tremble, the, the kid from Notre Dame, who's, who's probably going to go in late round two, early round three. Uh, but Saner's like, he, you know, he's like 6'5", uh, 275, you know, also the biggest. He might be 6'6", six, six. Um, but, you know, a dominant inline blocker, um, a, a guy that can at least do a niche. 
uh, because Irv Smith is going to give you enough, you know, of the receiving element. And, and this is sort of how the Ravens, for, you know, teams like this use their tight ends, you know, with, with 12 personnel. And, of course, that's, you know, the Vikings were doing that with Irv Smith to this point, you know, or, you know, Rudolph was doing the more traditional inline stuff. And um, he did, you know, Irv Smith has done, you know, he, he's lined up inline, you know, a bit. But, um, you know, as, as far as a full-time proposition where he has to be that guy, as opposed to just, you know, in specific situations we put you here, um, it, to me, I, I think he's going to get exposed. Love it, man. Love it. Thor Nystrom. Go check out, by the way. Uh, I love it. Wouldn't be a Vikings draft if they didn't draft a punter or a kicker with <laughs> yes. one of their later round picks. Since you've got them taking uh, a kicker in the sixth round, we love it. And again, uh, <laughs> Thor Nystrom, NBCSports.com. Go check out his seven round mock and his 500 player big board. And we'll do it again, man. I think maybe we'll, we'll do it the day after the draft. We'll get your we'll get your seven round mock for 2022. So. And next time I'll, I'll have more time. Like after the draft, we can we can get as nerdy as we want. I'm sorry, I got like I'm you know like I said, I'm sort of the car wash right now. But awesome. pleasure to join you guys. And after the draft, I would love to break it down at the the granular minutiae type level. Awesome. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's All do right, it. Thank Thanks for yes. coming on, dude. We right, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, uh, thank you. fellow fellow Minnesota guy there, and uh, and does awesome work as a draft analyst and whatnot. So the kicker in the sixth round wouldn't shock me at all. Where's boys. our kicker from? Because it, you know, if just, it's not an um, SEC it guy, it's not going to yeah. happen. We only take the big-legged SEC guys. I think my, my favorite part of our show the last couple weeks, whether it's with Thor or with Tyler Fornis from Climbing the Pocket, I feel like we've created a safe space for just the most like nerd football, deep-dive, analytical draft geeks right yeah well you got you can down. come on our show and oh, just yeah. go just tell us everything you know about yeah. everyone the vikings might have their eye on yeah and i love it it's so much family fun. history willie Blood davis was a great player. oh yeah that's Blood awesome lines, baby that's awesome you know, bloodlines are important and you know jc horn is the son of joe horn yep I do I think know he's got to go up there with the go up there with the old school flip phone when he gets introduced. Oh God! When he pulled the brick phone from the goalpost, thing, it's one that that's <laughs> that and what what was the one where um, To did, didn't To um, yeah grab the popcorn? Oh, that was good. To did a bunch of stuff. Joe Horn though, I but mean, Joe think Horn, about yeah. go back to the Joe Horn one. It wasn't like he was scoring you know twenty touchdowns that season. So he the likelihood of him scoring a touchdown was probably fifty percent yep. in any given game, right? And he must have had to hide phones in both goalposts because you don't know which direction you're going to be going when you score the touchdown. And they might have been there all year long. Mm-hmm. Like Probably you, were. Like you could hide them week one. <laughs> you could. That's and then eventually point. you'll score probably <laughs> at least one, right? Yeah. But the old brick phone, I mean the Zach Morris brick phone, just a beautiful thing. Yeah. How'd no one spot that thing in there? It's crazy. Easier to hide an iPhone. It's flatter. It you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what makes this genius. Anyways, uh, write that down, predictions, and an accountability session tomorrow. And uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on this Vikings Draft Week. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube, Purple Daily. And be sure to also, if you could, give us a five-star review and a positive rating or positive review and five-star rating, whatever it is, on Apple um, if you listen to us on that platform. Thank you, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy Draft Week.